God never intended you to live on limited energy. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell explains how your life can be radically changed through the power of God. Thank God he voluntarily laid himself down and allowed the Roman soldiers to place the nails in his hands and his feet and that he shed his blood so that there would be a covering for the sins of every person. Wherever, whenever anybody calls on the name of the Lord and says, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. At that moment, the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to their accounts. Life can sometimes be overwhelming, and balancing all the competing demands we face can be a challenge. But God desires to give you a supernatural strength that only He can give. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, The Power of God, Pastor Chapel offers biblical insight and simple steps that can take you from where you are to where you want to be. As you apply the truth of God's Word, your life will change in ways you never thought possible. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chapel with part one of a message called Power for Life. During our Lord's earthly ministry, He taught many eternal truths. He identified Himself as the eternal Son of God. The Bible says in John 8 and verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus described himself here as eternal God. In John 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He described himself once again as being equal with God the Father. Many doctrinal eternal truths were presented by Jesus Christ to his disciples. Not only did he teach many eternal truths, but the Lord Jesus demonstrated many miraculous powers. The Bible records, for example, in John 6, the feeding of the 5,000 from a few loaves and fishes, 5,000 men and women and uh, boys and girls beyond the number 5,000 were fed. The Bible says, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. The Bible tells us that the multitude was fed, and there was much left over after the feeding of this great multitude. On another occasion, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the town of Bethany. And there he heard the news of his friend Lazarus, who had died. And the Bible tells us in John eleven forty three, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible records that Lazarus rose from his grave. What a wonderful journey to journey through the Gospels and hear the teachings of Jesus Christ concerning his deity, to see the miracles of Jesus Christ, which display his wonderful power. And we think about the disciples as they journeyed with Jesus Christ and as they heard the teachings, as they saw the miracles. The Bible records for us that many times along the way, Jesus also told them that he would die and that he would raise again on the third day. Now the Bible records that they have come to that point in their journey. Although Jesus had tried to warn them, they were drawing ever closer to the time when he would die on the cross. The Bible records Jesus 
not only had the Last Supper with his disciples, but then came to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there the Lord Jesus suffered as he recognized that he would bear in his body the sins of the entire world. The Bible tells us as he prayed to his father, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. The agony that he felt even before Calvary was beyond description. From the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible tells us he journeyed through a few false trials and through times of mocking and scourging and ultimately to the cross of Calvary on the hill called the Hill of the Skull. Just outside the old city of Jerusalem, it was there where the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on a Roman cross, the Roman soldiers placing the nails through his hands, through his feet, the crown of thorns upon his brow, and there he shed his blood for the sins of the entire world. Now I suppose, had we been disciples of Christ, following him, hearing his teachings, watching his miracles, and then coming to that place when suddenly we see our Savior on a cross. We hear him say those last words, it is finished. We watch him, as John the Beloved did, breathe his last breath and give up the ghost. There perhaps would come even into our hearts the sense that Jesus is gone, the miracles are gone, the power is gone. What future is there for us? anyway. Was the power just temporary? Was his presence just for a little while? Or was that power something that God intended to be eternal and eternally present with all of us? Well, I want you to know this morning that I believe the power was for life and the power is for eternal life and the power has never stopped according to the word of God. There is power for this life because the story didn't end on the hill of the skull called Golgotha. The Bible records that the power and presence of Jesus is with us even at this very moment. Now someone might say, well, where? How do we find the power of God this morning? How can we know that his power is alive and working in our hearts? Well, I want you to see today in the scriptures how the power of God is alive for all who will believe. Notice, first of all, there's power in the promises of God. The Bible is filled with promises concerning the Lord Jesus. We see here in Luke chapter 24 and in verse number 8, the Bible says, And they remembered his words. You know, one of the problems with the disciples, even these dear ladies, one of the difficulties in their lives was that they had forgotten those important words of Jesus Christ that he would raise up on the third day. They had forgotten the promises that he had made to them concerning his own death and resurrection. And I don't think we want to be too hard on those disciples. How many of you have forgotten something very important before in your life? Maybe your wife's birthday, maybe an anniversary. All of us can forget things along the way. I heard about a fellow that was very forgetful. He was uh, kind of an absent-minded professor. His wife knew it. His family knew it. His friends knew it. His wife came to him one morning and she said, Now, Henry, I want you to remember that today's the day we're moving. I want you to bear that in mind. I want you to keep all of this uh, close to your heart. In fact, I'm going to give you a little note with our new address on it. I want you to keep that uh, in your pocket. Don't forget. Well, Henry went to work and he got busy and sure enough, he came back to his old neighborhood. He walked into his house. He opened up the door. The place was empty. He was distraught. He was forgetful. He sat down on the curb outside. He wasn't really sure what to do. Suddenly a young boy came by and sat down next to him and 
Henry said, little boy, he said, do you know the people that used to live in this house? The boy said, I sure do, Dad, and Mom told me you'd forget. (laughs) Sometimes that's how our day can go, our week can go. We're forgetful. We don't really bear in mind some important things. And that's what happened with these disciples. I mean, they literally forgot that Jesus said, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise up again three days later. Notice, if you would, that we are to remember the promise of his sacrifice. Jesus wants us to remember the promise of his sacrifice. In Matthew 20 and verse 17, the Bible says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests, and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. You see, Jesus had given them the promise of his sacrifice, and he also had given to them the promise of his resurrection. Uh, He had prophesied his own death and his own resurrection on numerous occasions. One of my favorites is found in Mark 12, 40. It's in your notes there. It says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus had very clearly said to his disciples, I want you to remember the power of my promises. There's going to be hope and encouragement in these promises if you remember. Just like Jonah experienced his three days, his three nights, I want you to know that I will be three days and three nights, but I will rise again. And how we thank God for the fact that we serve a Savior who is omniscient, who knows all, and who was able to predict his own death, burial, and resurrection. And we are here today celebrating that resurrection, even as he said it would take place. You see, my friends, this morning, people have not gathered for the past 2,000 years in churches like this. People have not gathered on hillsides and out in the deserts across this planet for 2,000 years to say, the stock market has risen, it has risen indeed. They have not gathered to say, my 401k has risen. It has risen indeed. They have not gathered to say, uh, the employment rate has risen. It has risen indeed. They have not gathered to say, General Motors' price of stock has risen. It has risen indeed. They have not gathered to say these things for 2,000 years. But for 2,000 years, men and women with one hope in their heart have gathered to say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. You see, other things come and go, but the promises of Christ will always stand true. And there is power in this promise. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is also in vain. Power today is available in the promises of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, there's power in the presence of Jesus Christ. There is power in the presence of Jesus Christ. After all, that's what we celebrate today, that we serve a risen Savior. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not here worshiping idols. We're not here worshiping churches or denominations. We are here celebrating the fact that we have a personal Savior present with us. Now, how is he present with us? Let me share two wonderful ways with you today. First of all, the Lord is present with us today through his word. He has given to us his word. And we praise him for the fact that we have his word to guide and to direct us today. 
You think about it, if you would. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. And when you study the Gospels, you'll find that for 40 days, Jesus Christ made appearances to those in that first century generation, those first century Christians. He showed himself alive to some 1,500 different people, proving that he was the resurrected Son of God. And every time he came to them, he spoke his word to them, and he assured them with his word. In our text this morning, Luke 24, verse 13, the Bible tells us about one of those occasions. It says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Notice, if you would, down at verse 27 of this passage, it says, And beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded unto them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a Bible study. Jesus Christ, creator God, expounding, beginning at Moses, and all the prophets, all the things that pertained unto himself. What a tremendous Bible study that was. And Jesus was assuring these disciples from his word. He was discipling them indeed. He was helping them to recognize who he was according to the prophecies of the Old Testament scriptures. But not only did Jesus give his word to those first century disciples, I want you to bear in mind this morning that he has given his word to each and every one of us as well. Notice what the Bible says here in 2 Peter 1 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Some people say, well, this book is just man's ideas. I beg to differ. This book is not man's ideas. It was not given to us by the will of man, but this book is the infallible, inerrant, eternal Word of God. It is God's presence with us today, and we thank God for the power of His presence. But not only is He present with us through His Word, but He is present with us today through His Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is with us today if we have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Think about what he said to his apostles as he spoke to them in John 20 and verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. What a wonderful privilege to be the recipients of the Holy Ghost. Now these disciples received the Holy Ghost just prior to Jesus' ascension up into heaven. And in effect, it was after their faith in Jesus Christ somewhat. But in this dispensation in which we live, in this time period, we receive the Holy Spirit instantly. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says we are born again by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 3 and verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. You see, God says that we are born again by His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God that touches our heart and convicts our heart and shows us our need for the Savior. Look at the verse there in your notes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What an interesting verse. It says, what? Know ye not 
that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You see, my friends, when we receive Christ as our Savior, God's Spirit takes up residence in our life. He is present with us, even this morning. And I say to you, there is power in the presence of God. He is with us today, and the resurrection reminds us that we have a personal relationship with Him. Uh, I had the privilege of standing there at the empty tomb, not far from the hill of the skull. You actually can go inside the tomb and this place that is historically believed to be the tomb of Jesus Christ. At the head of the tomb, there's a little extra portion that is carved out and signifying the fact that someone had been laid there for whom the tomb was not originally built. And uh, as you walk in, you sense within your spirit the tremendous sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we stood in that empty tomb and sang the song we sang just a moment ago, I serve a risen Savior. And we celebrate the resurrected Savior from our heart because He lives within us through His Spirit. Now, many people who have religion and many people who have experiences with God, so to speak, do not really understand the nature of salvation through Jesus Christ. They have never personally received Christ as Savior. They do not know that He lives within them. And my friends, today we celebrate the fact that the power and presence of Jesus Christ is something that we can know personally and individually. After we stood in the empty tomb, we stepped aside and we just continued watching. Another group came by. I think they were from maybe Tibet or perhaps from uh, Singapore. And as they came there and stood, I observed uh, some of the folks coming in. They had little pieces of paper in their hands and they were placing these little pieces of paper in the cracks of the stone. And one lady came up to me there and, and she had a paper in her hand and she said in broken English, she said, where can I put my prayer to Jesus? Where can I put my prayer to Jesus? Perhaps as she would put a prayer somewhere for other gods or perhaps as she had had other religious experiences, she wanted to leave a word off for Jesus. I stood there and thought about what to say. And the first thing that came to my mind was simply to say these words, ma'am, Jesus is not here. He is risen. We do not bring a prayer in the form of a piece of paper and place it in a church or even at a holy site. We do not place the prayer in the hand of a priest or someone else hoping that that prayer can get to Jesus. You see, when you are born again the Bible way, He is with you and you can talk to Him anytime, day or night. The power is always on. And His presence is always real because He is alive and by His Spirit, He lives within us. Think about it this morning. The pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contain the mummified remains of Egyptian kings. London is renowned at Westminster Abbey because of the famous nobles and notables who have been buried at Westminster Abbey. Mohammed's tomb is noted for the stone coffin and the bones it contains. The Taj Mahal was built by a famous shah there in India to honor his wife. Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C., is a place for the honored resting of those who have served our country with great honor and valor. It is a place where we remember those who have sacrificed. But the garden tomb of Jesus Christ is not famous because of what is inside. 
It is famous because it is empty. It is famous because we serve a risen Savior. And there is power in the presence of a personal risen Savior. And so this morning, power for life can be found in the promises of God. It can be found in the presence of God. And I want you to see with me this morning, finally, it is found in the pardon of God through Jesus Christ. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are pardoned because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, think about this pardon. And think about what it means to be born spiritually. I want you, first of all, to think about the revelation of the pardon. The pardon we celebrate today is revealed to us in the Bible. And in Luke 24 and verse 46, we read these words. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now notice in verse 47 that phrase, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. You see, in the Bible we see the reason or the revelation regarding our pardon. We see that Jesus came to bring the remission of sins, to give the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus died for our pardon on the old rugged cross. Notice in 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul says it this way. Moreover, brethren, I declared unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. My friend, please keep in your mind the love of Christ. Keep in your mind that he died according to the scriptures for you and for me. He entered the darkness and the dark tomb that we might walk in the light. And he drank the cup of woe that we might drink the cup of joy. And he was forsaken of his father that we might be forgiven of his father. Jesus did all of this for you and for me. And this provides the pardon that we need for our sin. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and verse 22, and almost all things by the law are purged with blood and without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission for sin. Thank God that Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. Thank God he voluntarily laid himself down and allowed the Roman soldiers to place the nails in his hands and his feet and that he shed his blood so that there would be a covering for the sin of every person in America and Africa and England and in the Philippines and in China, wherever, whenever anybody calls on the name of the Lord and says, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that you're the Savior. At that moment, my friend, the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to their accounts and they're forgiven. Their sins are completely washed away. The revelation of our pardon is found in Scripture. The result of our pardon is found in Scripture. You know, the result of pardon is forgiveness. It is the fact that our sins are washed away as far as the east is from the west. And let me just tell you something. If you're sitting here not fully convinced that you need to be saved, not fully convinced that you need this born-again thing or that you need Christ's pardon, I want to just simply tell you, Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room needs the pardon of Jesus Christ. Everybody needs a Savior, okay? More than we need other religious things and other religious experiences, we need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I dare say that all of us in this room have pulled some uh uh-ohs in our lives 
we've done some things we shouldn't have done, we've had some thoughts we shouldn't have had, been to some places we shouldn't have been, seen some things we shouldn't have watched, the list goes on and on and on. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chapel preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.